Welcome to Culture Crux. It's so good to have you tune in again. Today's guest is a young man named Aiden, and he's been through uh, quite a bit of searching in his 16 years of life. Let's hear what he has to say. Aiden, thank you so much for joining us today on the show. Uh, I guess you are taking a little time out of school to do this. Is that you're playing hooky to be in the studio? Uh, yeah, it's okay. Wow, that's epic. So I should have more uh, more students in here. Give them a little break. Mm-hmm. So um, I just want to know some of your background. What what kind of home did you grow up in? So I was raised by my dad for a while, just my dad, and then he remarried, and yeah, so. I want to say after six, I was raised by my dad and my stepmom. And so it was, it was pretty normal, I guess. Um, siblings or are you only child? Uh, siblings. How uh, many? Oh, gosh. Um, four. I'm the middle child of five. Sweet. Okay. So busy, fun, active household. Very. Okay. And you say you were raised by your dad from age six? Um, no. So like when I was younger, up until like around age six, I was raised by him. Okay. Got it. And then you remarried and then, yeah. So what did the religious foundation of your home look like when you were really young? Well, I don't really remember it when I was really young, but I know after around like between ages like five to like eight, we started going to church again. And then, so that kind of influenced me. And so I really got into it. And then, yeah. What kind of church did you go to? We went to a Baptist church in Southern California. We went to, um, where did we go? Oh, you don't need to know the name. Okay. I was just curious. So Baptist, Southern yeah. California. Nice. Okay. And then what was uh, what was next after the Baptist church? So we went there for a while. Um, we were very involved. We had like um, Bible study on Tuesday night. We had... Uh, youth group every Wednesday. We had church, church obviously on Sunday. We had another like pseudo church on Saturday. All sorts of things. We were very involved in that church. We knew the pastor personally. Like he, we would watch his kids. They would he he would watch ours. And so like it was, we were very close with everyone there. It was a really small church, so we got really close to everyone there. And so that was really nice having like the aspect of like a lot of friends. So you had friends, you had community, small church. What was your faith like as a child in that situation? Um, I guess in that situation, I would, uh, at the time, I would have said I was a Christian. But as I got older, I kind of stopped believing, believing, I guess. So do you remember a specific point in time where you go from claiming to be a Christian, a believer, to not being a believer? So it wasn't like a, like a turning point. It wasn't like, okay, today's the day. It was more of like a slow kind of, I don't know how to explain it exactly, but it was more of like a slow kind of transition. Like, okay, well maybe this is true and this is true. And then, well, maybe just this is true. And so it it was slow, but eventually I did kind of stop believing. So in a household where you're being taken to church multiple times per week and you've got this youth group and you've got friends and a, a personal family friend who's a pastor, you're getting a lot of information from that particular belief system. So at what point in life do you think you started looking at other things? I want to say around 12-ish, 
kind of stumbled upon some videos and like just explained it and they were very like very kind about it and they didn't they weren't hateful which was kind of like my worldview at the time was like christians are like always nice and always this and like non-believers are always rude and so when i stumbled upon this i mean to be fair i was young i was like 12 11 12 and so when i stumbled upon this i was like this isn't right this doesn't make sense and so that kind of like influenced me i guess you know i came to the realization that like you can be a good person without having faith but with my friends and everyone being christian around me i i kind of became very i guess open-minded like i'm not very judgmental when it comes to that you know whatever anyone wants to believe fine with it so when you found these videos did that lead you on a pathway of searching for other answers or how, what did that what did that look like in that transitional phase that lasted over time so when it first started it was like moral dilemmas and stuff like that things about philosophy because i was very interested in that about that at, at a age very, 12 you're interested in philosophy wow yeah i know it doesn't most people don't believe me but like no i believe just, you i'm just impressed yeah it was i've always been very into like ethics and philosophy and things like that and so it started with that i think it actually started with the trolley problem ironically which is like where a lot of people start and so I started from there and I was like, okay, this is really interesting to think for, about. For those of our listeners who don't know, what, can you explain the trolley problem briefly? Oh, gosh. Okay, so you are standing off to the side of a train track. There are workers on one set of a train track and on the other train track, there's only one person. A train is coming and it's going to hit the five workers and you are right next to a switch. You can flip the switch and only kill one person or you can kill the f or not switch it and kill five people. Most people, they say, you flip the switch, only kill one person, right? But um, then you continue on, you can add variation, like instead of flipping a switch, you have to push someone now. And a lot of people change their answer when it comes to physically pushing someone to stop the train. And so that was really interesting. And it was just a lot of, I guess, things like that, like simple moral dilemmas that got me into it and thinking outside of like the... I guess the Christian headspace of like, this is what's right. This is what's wrong. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but it was very interesting to me at a young age to think about other ways to think about moral dilemmas. So if you could, and again, I'm trying to take you back to that, that point in time where your line of thinking was versus now you've had it several years in between, mm -hmm. but what would you say was the Christian headspace that you mentioned at that point, the way you saw it? So I know, obviously, I mean, I was very young, so I'm... But here, here's the thing. I, I don't want to discount youth by any means. And lack of life experience doesn't necessarily negate someone's genuine um, perception of the world. So that's why I value what you're, what you're saying. Definitely. And so at the time, I was very, um, I was very into the church um, previously before that. And so I guess... Like in my head, there was a very set moral codes. There was very like, this is what's right. This is what's wrong. Like there is no, there's no gray area. This is set in stone. Like this is that. And as I kind of developed, I guess, and got older and continued learning about different moral philosophies and ethics and stuff like that, I kind of shifted to more of a gray, like most of this stuff is gray. It's very situational to me. And so I guess that's what I would consider like the, the 
Christian headspace. But that, to be fair, was 11-year-old, 10-year-old me interpreting what I heard in church, not right. fully paying attention. I'm very aware now that, like, most Christians aren't like, yeah, no, these are set in stone. Like, I'm aware that most Christians, like, they have a set of beliefs, but, like, they're also aware that some things are very situational. So once you get past that initial trolley dilemma mm-hmm. and you start going down that path, what, what happens to you inside? Like, what was the journey inside as you were looking at other philosophies and things? So um, as a kid who had Christian parents, it was very conflicting because, like, you're told in church, you know, at least the way I, little me interpreted it was, if you're not believing God, you're you're a bad person or, you know, you're misguided and whatever. And I didn't want to be misguided. But also I couldn't deny the fact that I had I'd resonated with a lot of these philosophies. And so, sorry. Um, <laughs> and so it kind of was a little conflicting, honestly. But I've learned to reconcile with that and just kind of, you know, accept it. You know, some people believe some things, some people believe others. And... It took me a little bit, but now I can confidently say, like, this is what I believe, and that's okay. So what did that conversation look like with your parents? Did you ever have it? Yeah. So they took it pretty well, um, a lot better than I thought they were going to. But, you know, they were just, they were, they were pretty understanding, actually. So what does that do for you now? You're, how old are you, 17? 16. 16, okay. So what does that do for you now with, with your worldview? I mean, how, how are you moving forward with life and purpose and all of that? So that is something um, a couple of years ago I did start struggling with is, you know, what is my purpose? What, why am I here? And so I got very into, you know, existential ideas. And so I just, I was like, okay, well, I can either push this off or I can just learn about it and come to my own conclusion. And so that's what I did. I got books. I read about it. I learned about it. You know, I, I listened to podcasts about it. I did other things. And I kind of, I guess I kind of just figured it out on my own. But if you're asking specifically, like, the answer I came to, is that what you're asking? I'm just curious how you interpret the question. Uh, okay. So I guess as far as purpose goes, for me, whatever makes you the, like, Whatever makes you feel fulfilled without causing harm to others, I would say is a, a genuine purpose. I guess that's kind of the question I came to, or the answer I came to. So then how do you view religious systems in general? So religious systems specifically, I do not, I'm not the biggest fan of, but individuals who believe in religion, no problem with them at all. I just don't like when it's institutionalized and you know put into government put into politics i don't like that because then you get into personalized like personal beliefs influencing larger aspects of the community and even the country and that's not necessarily a bad thing i'm fine with people like bringing their interests into politics and into whatever policies anything but i also think we should keep an open mind and unfortunately a lot of people will be like okay well you're wrong Instead of like, okay, well, this is what I think. I understand why you think that. Now let me find more secular reasons to back that up too. And I'm completely fine with people having religious reasons for their ideas. What do you think of people who claim to be Christian? You know, forget religious systems, but just the title Christian. What is your initial opinion if someone introduces themselves? Hey, I'm James. I'm a Christian. 
what is your what is your initial thought? So earlier in my I guess my development as um, separating myself from the church, I if someone introduced me as Christian, I would be like, oh, well, why? But now as I've as I've gotten older, I've come to accept a lot more. Um, so if someone introduced me as Christian, I don't really like I understand that. And so I put that into like how I respond to them and, you know, being more gentle with them when it comes to like religious topics. Like I'm not going to be like, you know, I'm not going to go to them when I'm questioning, you know, certain philosophies because I know their answers and I'm not saying I wouldn't consult them, but I know that they might not want to talk about that. And so I don't really have any, I don't have any hate for them. I love them, but it's just a little different because I know a lot of Christians are very set in stone when it comes to what they believe. And a lot of times they don't want to talk about. Like, so I just want to clarify. So your perception is that Christ, that Christians are set in what they believe and they're not willing to budge, but at the same time, they're not willing to even openly discuss in in a respectful way the thoughts that you're bringing forward. No, not all, especially not all Christians, but some Christians that I have uh, conversed with, I try not to um, like oh, like if they bring up a conversation to me, I'm more than willing to talk about it. But I know some people in general, not just Christians, will be very uh, limited and close-minded. And so I just try to be, you know, uh, polite about it specifically, not that like they're set in stone as in like, they're never going to change. But I know that like, cause it's different for them because in Christian's mind, right? You believe that the, the creator of the universe set these laws into place. And so if I, you know, disagree, a lot of, some Christians will take that as an attack on their belief instead of just uh, or even a personal attack. Yeah, exactly. Instead of a, you know, a criti a, a criticism on the, like the idea itself individually. And so I just try to be a lot more polite about it, but I have no problem with uh, talking to Christians about that. So have you, just curious, a common thread that I've seen in, in a lot of the discussions is hypocrisy. Have you seen hypocrisy in religious systems? Mm, honestly, yes, but there's hypocrisy everywhere. There's hypocrisy in atheism. There's hypocrisy in agnosticism. Sorry, I, that's interesting. Please explain hypocrisy and atheism. So um, a lot of more like mainstream atheists, I guess, people who claim to be atheists but don't really indulge in philosophies or ethics or anything like that. They'll just be like, yeah, God isn't real. But then at the same time, they'll claim that they, they di actively dislike God. And that sets a very bad reputation because that's, in my mind at least, very hypocritical when you're saying God isn't real, but then you're going to dislike God. I don't. How like can that. you dislike something that doesn't exist? Exactly. And it sets a very bad reputation for uh, atheists when the majority of us don't actually believe that. But these, these, I guess, mainstream atheists who just are like, yeah, I don't want to believe in God. I want to do whatever I want. I don't want to deal with like morals. And so they're just like, yeah. I don't believe in anything. And then they, it typically comes from a place of trauma or something like that, or they're just mad. And so that makes them just very hypocritical in their views. They'll be like, yeah, Christians are bad for doing this, this, and this, but then they'll do something extremely similar to that. 
And I'm not saying you can, you should be mad at someone for doing the actions, especially if it's coming from a religious standpoint. It's, I don't know. It's hard to explain. Well, so let me ask you a question. You said we, so are you atheist? So it's kind of hard for me to identify with any specific uh, like belief system or anything like that. I don't believe in God, but I also don't like subscribing or uh, I introduce myself as atheist because we do get a bad reputation for being hateful and stuff like that. As do Christians. Exactly. Because we have these negative these negative things attached. If you're on one side of the fence, you're like, oh, well, like if you're Christian, you're gonna be like, oh, atheists are this and this and this. When really a lot of us are nice people, but also I've seen a lot of atheists with like, oh, Christians are bigoted. They're hateful. They're like, they're all these things when really most Christians are great people. They really are. And so it's, uh, it's very difficult for me to say I'm an atheist or I'm non-religious, I'm secular, I'm all these things. I'd rather take one issue at a time, one idea like, what do you think about a higher power? I don't believe in a higher power. What do you think about this, this, and this? I don't, you know, these things. I'd rather take it one thing at a time than generalize. So in terms of having that stance of not believing in a higher power or God, mm -hmm. um, do you have an explanation or an idea or do you just not even delve into that as to how we're all here? This is very hard to explain, I guess. Uh, so are you, are you talking about the creation or the, how, how we humans are here? Or? Let's just say people. Okay. So forget the expanse of the universe and the solar system yeah. and the balanced ecosystem. Okay, specifically the earth. Just, let's just say us people. Us people. So uh, I am an evolutionist. I do think we've evolved over time. Um, to what extent we understand it is debatable, but I'd say we have a pretty good understanding, especially now in this, in this year, um, a lot of advances have been made, um, from what we see in not just fossil records, but like specific human biology, we see a lot of similar things. Um, and we can see, um, why certain things are the way they are. And we can explain that using the environment and they, they go back and forth. They so help support each other. Let's go back to before the theory of evolution took us to the point we're at right now. Mm -hmm. And you go back to the starting point. What instigated the starting point? Of, and again, I just want to remind you, I'm not, I'm not challenging you. I genuinely want to know your perspective. No, I understand that. And so, so do you mean like the start of humans or life of life itself? So... Um, I know we're staying away from the, the start of the universe, but um, at the start of the planet, it was mostly water. All the continents had yet to uh, re uh, remove themselves from the crust of the earth. So water was all on top of it. And so as the sun beats down onto the earth, it, um, it will create microbacteria. And then evolution happens from there, takes m millions of years, but it'll happen. And we can see that through... Um, smaller experiments where we take bacteria and we isolate them and we see them slowly develop differently and we see them multiply at a faster and faster rate. So if you get to bacteria, cell structure, DNA, um, plant life, the, uh, the material, the organic matter that mm -hmm. makes up the crust of the earth and, and everything, yes. water, uh, elements of the air, 
where did that come from? The substance, the substance itself. Yeah. So are you talking about like, where did the matter itself, the matter come itself, from? where did the matter itself come from? So in terms of what you believe, um, that kind of delves into the big bang, right? Okay. Um, I'm not specifically a, a believer in the big bang itself. Um, as in that's the starting point. That's just the point. I believe our physics start to break down because that's the point in our universe's history that everything is at a single point of infinite density and infinite matter. And so when that happens, um, it, it kind of creates what we call the observable universe. Um, but like everything we can observe, everything we can calculate, that's what I consider the after that point is the Big Bang. Before the Big Bang, unfortunately, we can't really know. We don't know if that's that's it. That's where it starts. That's the start. That's the finish. Like we don't know yet. I hope we do know one day. And so that is why I'm not, that's why I don't go around saying the Big Bang is 100% true. The Big Bang is, that's fact. But that's the best theory I, I think we have right now. So do you see the Big Bang going into mass universal chaos and out of that chaos forms order? So I would never, I wouldn't say there's chaos to it. So when the Big Bang happened, right, it, everything was very dense and we might not be able to understand that. But if we, if we could calculate it, right, we can, we can understand it to the sense that this is why things are happening. We can make, we make order out of that chaos. I would argue that chaos is going on right now but our brains are able to make some somewhat sense and we have pattern seeking brains. And so we're able to make patterns, even if they aren't really there, we're able to understand that. And so I wouldn't say there's ever, there was ever chaos. I would just say it got so complex that our brains just can't really understand it, but there was a pattern there. Okay. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. Now, the last question I have for you is what about Jesus? What, what are your thoughts on the person of Jesus in terms of who he claimed to be? And do you see him as an actual person in history? Do you see him as a myth, a legend? How do you, how do you view the person of Jesus? So the person himself, from my understanding, at least he was a real person. Like he was crucified. Um, there are documents and uh, records of him, of a person named Jesus, um, going around the, going around the Middle East, right? Like going to Israel, doing these things, going all throughout and doing the things he claimed to do. Rather, rather those things, like the miracles themselves happened, I don't know. But I do believe there was someone named Jesus. But I don't, I don't see how we could ever get proof that he did the miracles because, yeah, there's accounts for that. But there's also accounts for a lot of other uh, myths. And I don't want to discount your faith. But um, you have to understand, to me, those are all like uh, Muhammad, Jesus. They they were real people, but the the miracles they did might have not been real. And so I guess that's the way I think about it. He very well could be real. He probably was real, but whether he did the miracles and whether he was who he was, who he claimed to be, if he was really the Messiah, I don't know. I don't think so. But that's just me. The one thing that gets me is, and, and I went on a journey of searching through different faith systems to find answers and credibility. Uh, I wanted something real to stand on. Uh, my faith was shaken at a young age. Uh, when I was 15, 
I was like you. You know, I went to church every Wednesday, every Saturday, every Sunday. I, I lived and breathed church. My grandpa was a pastor. Um, and then my, my worldview was shaken when I was 15, when my dad had a mass nervous breakdown and it, it manifested itself in, in a faith shaking way. Mm-hmm. He was disabled mentally the rest of his life. And my mom died that same year. So I was 15 on my own, struggling and searching. And the one thing that troubled me the most was trying to discount, like, you know, like you said, you know, maybe Jesus's miracles weren't real and trying to discount whether or not Jesus was a myth, a legend or an actual person. And the way the disciples responded to his death sounded very credible. Uh, hey, we're going to go to the grave with you, Jesus. You know, you, you die. We're with you. And then as soon as he's arrested, what do they do? They take off because self-preservation. Mm-hmm. That's a natural instinct. They're terrified. They don't want to get killed and slaughtered. You know, you can say all the nice things in the world you want, but when push comes to shove, if there's a gun in your face, you're going to make a decision based on self-preservation. Um, and these guys, they split. Jesus is arrested, he's put on trial, and he's crucified. And Peter even gets called out. Hey, weren't you with him? No, no, not me. Weren't you with him? I saw you. No. And then he starts cursing mm-hmm. because he doesn't want to be identified as a follower of Jesus. So their faith is shaken. He gives them all these prophecies and talks about how he's the way, the truth, and the life. And and he's filling their heads with all this information. And then he's gone and he's killed. Their worldview, their foundation of the last three and a half-ish years that they spent with him, done. So why is it that they had a complete turnaround and death was no longer an issue? Why is it that their faith was rekindled? Because me personally, I would never die for something that I knew to be false. So there's different theories about the crucifixion, the swoon theory, the twin theory, the stole the body theory. Mm-hmm. But none of those theories do it for me in terms of invigorating a faith to the point where death no longer matters. That's the one thing that gets me. Um, I think it's important for people to search out answers. I, I, I really appreciate your honesty. I appreciate you sharing your story and your, and your thoughts. And uh, I hope I hope you felt like this was a respectful conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe even love to have you back sometime. I'd love to. But I uh, need to get you back to school. So thanks, Aiden. So Aiden has been on quite a journey. It was powerful to hear his thought process and the way he investigates different philosophies and and lines of thinking. Also, I appreciate the fact that he's not aggressive towards Christians. He lives in a Christian home. He has a Christian mother, father, siblings. He's still on a search. He's still on a journey. I want to be very careful the way that I engage with him personally, but I do think it's important to insert questions. What brought me to faith? Maybe you're engaging with someone who is of a similar mindset. Engage them with what brought you from your point of disbelief to faith. For me personally, I meant exactly what I said to him. I cannot shake the fact that the disciples no longer feared death. They had the only choice, the only option is that they saw the resurrected Jesus. And if Jesus resurrected from the grave, all of his claims are validated. Everything he claimed was true. And because of that fact, I've given my life to his service. I pray that God blesses you as you engage in your relational community.